Well, that's a wrap. This is the last episode of Gap Chats for the season. But don't worry, we'll be back after Labor Day with another season. In this episode, we look back at some of the stories we covered during the season to give you an update of recent events, including looking at a recent PCOB inspection report of a firm we discussed in a previous episode. We'll also share our thoughts on Season 1 and look ahead to Season 2. Welcome to Gap Chats, the podcast dedicated to all things accounting, brought to you by Gap Dynamics. I'm your host, Mike Walworth, and with me as always is my faithful partner, Chris Brundrett. We hope you'll join us on our journey today as we share our passion for accounting and help change the way you train. Well, Chris, this is it. This is our last episode of Gap Chats for the season. But we'll be back after Labor Day with season two. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Um, do you want to do it again? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I know you're kidding, Mike. I know you've enjoyed it. I am. I do. I do. I do. I must admit it. I do. Uh, we're taking a little break, though, from the podcast over the summer to kind of come up with some new content and, quite frankly, kind of give us some time to do the actual work that pays the bills. Well, and as CFO, that makes me quite happy. I I figured it would. Uh, In this episode, I wanted to take a look back at the season, as well as give our listeners an update on some of the stories we covered during that season. I also want to remind listeners that we take requests. If you have any ideas for future topics, any at all, please let us know. You can email either Chris or I your ideas, or uh, send your ideas into our support inbox. That's support at gapdynamics.com. Sounds good. So we kind of teed this up a little bit, but have you enjoyed this? Have you enjoyed the last 20 episodes? I definitely have. I can't believe we've done 20 episodes. It seems like it's gone by pretty quickly. Uh, I was looking back at all the ones that we did and, you know, we had some guest appearances when both you and I were out at various times, but it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed doing it, but they do take some effort. And so I think it'll be, it'll be nice to have a little break, but really beyond that is to gather more content. So, you know, let's let some things happen over the summer um, we'll be back with some fresh new content come Labor Day. Yeah, and I think you and I should still record some of them maybe and have some in the hopper. So if something comes up, right, an event comes up uh, during the summer, we can record it and then we can kind of re- release it uh, release it after Labor Day. But yeah, I mean, I think I've liked it. You're right. It does take a little bit of work, but I do enjoy the, the exchange with you. And then when we have Bob on, that was fun. And so we're yep. going to have to come up with a theme for season two, right? A new yeah. theme, new pictures, right? Yes. So, uh, can we you know, please get that dumbass? <laughs> I mean, that looks every time we show it. I mean, I kind of, I kind of am, am a, it's a little embarrassing, right? Because we meant to be kind of stepbrother. Oh, it's been, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. I, we're going to do something, you know, we're going to do something good for season two. Don't worry. So, overall, Mike, I mean, you, you are the, the guy that looks at all the stats, right? So, has this been well received? What have you seen out there? Well, I, you know, I kind of look the efforts worth it. Well, that's TBD. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you make that determination. But um, well, anyway, I have to give props to, to Clark Mueller, our um, podcast. Uh, he's the he's the producer and uh, him and Patrice sort of produced this thing. And uh, he looks at all the stats. And according to him, to be in the top 50 percent of all podcasts nationwide, you need at least 30 downloads per week to be in the top quartile you need 105 downloads per week. So where do we stand? Well, here's a few stats regarding our podcast. Through May 23rd, that was 
the, that's the date today that we're recording this episode, we've had 1,050 downloads of our podcast on the various channels and 777 views, I like that number, of it on YouTube. This totals 1,827 downloads or views. And if we divide that by 20 episodes, so we've had 19 episodes out there plus kind of the introductory episode zero, that averages 91 downloads or views per week. So we are solidly in the top half of all podcasts and very close to being in the top 25%. I have to say that 777 views on YouTube. I was very glad it wasn't 111 views less, or that would have been. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't know what that would have been. That would have yeah, been we, frightening. Yikes. Uh, we, we'd have gone and looked at YouTube real fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so I mean, this is not bad. I mean, this is, is pretty good, I think, for kicking this off. I'm pretty happy about that. But, you know, I'm always setting my sights higher. So, just curious how many weekly downloads to get you in the top 10%? 405. <laughs> Okay, I guess we got a ways to go on that one, but um, we'll see. It, it might it might take us a while, but uh, but we'll see. So, uh, well, I think before we move on, Mike, yeah. I think this is a good time to remind our listeners to rate our podcast, provide reviews, and recommend it to to your friends if if you like it. But um, it, Mike said it in the beginning. We certainly want to hear from you, whether it be about episode ideas, but just let us know what you think. I mean, you know. Is it uh, interesting? Are we providing value? Is it too short? Is it too long? You know, give us give us the whole rundown. Yeah, any any feedback you have, uh, we'll you know we'll, we'll incorporate it. Uh, we do have a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, Chris. That's great. How many reviews? Well, only four. <laughs> <laughs> so all the more reason to our listeners to show us a little love. Please, please, please rate us and on Wait the podcast minute, app. Yeah, Mike, you have. Three kids and a, and and a wife. So is that are those the four? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It may, <laughs> or, may, or maybe your wife didn't rate us uh, five star. And your mom. Yeah, right. No, it's 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 either my mom. Well, it's maybe my mom, your mom, my wife, your wife, because my kids don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, I I subscribe my kids, but uh, I ask them periodically. Have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> Yeah, and and I picked up my daughter from college. She's like, uh, no, I haven't listened. Anyway, uh, <laughs> please rate us, write us a little review. We really do read read them, and you know that little bit of positive feedback helps keeps our spirits up, and you know makes yep. us want to record more. So, so what was the most downloaded episode? I guess that would be an indicator of the most popular. But uh, what was the most yeah, downloaded? Well, what's interesting is the way podcasts on the podcast channels. Anyway, the way it kind of mm-hmm. works is you do the first episode. It gets traction. Someone reviews the second episode, but they go back and look at the first. So the first one for us that we recorded, which was our sort of introductory episode when we pretended to be stepbrothers uh, and sort of kicked off the podcast, that's our most um, downloaded episode on the podcast channels, followed by episode one, which is the introduction to non-GAAP financial measures. Uh, On YouTube, it's episode one, the non-GAAP financial measures. But coming in in a close second is that Mo Money, Mo Problems, the SEC rules on executive pay. Um, What's your favorite episode? Do you have one? Well, that's that's tough. I enjoyed uh, quite a few of them. I tend to like sort of the, personally, the nerdy accounting, you know, ones. And so I I really did enjoy that non-GAAP one. I know it was the first real episode, but uh, I felt like it was a good mix of nerdy accounting and, you know, and and something that's relevant and interesting. Of course, I liked when we talked about some updates that were going on with the ISB and the FASB. But um, the other one that, that came to mind was that Buy Now, Pay Later 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just some interesting, you know, trends to think about there. And just, it, it was just, I, I found that one, uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. I, yeah I mean, so I, what about you? What what was well, your favorite? I kind of like the Mo Money More Problems, and I do have to give you props for the title, right? Uh, <laughs> actually, actually, Patrice uh, had said, you know, this is getting really good reviews on YouTube, and, you know, I think it's the name, right? I mean, so, you know, maybe we try to be a little clever with the name, but that was that was all you. And then, but what I liked about it was it made me go back and remember Dodd-Frank. And if you remember, we talked about kind of yeah. four different SEC rules. We had some old ones out there, CEO pay ratio, but we also had some new ones on like the pay versus performance and the clawback stuff. So I did like that. All, all related to Dodd-Frank, which at this point in time is what, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's pretty crazy. Now, I actually thought you were going to say the episode about Kraken that you did since you tried to imitate the voice of Davy Jones. Yeah, I, uh, I I listened back to that and that's kind of ridiculous, but it, it was <laughs> it was fun. But uh, yeah. but anyway, yeah. yeah. So so speaking of Kraken, all right, mm-hmm. while, while we're on that, uh, in that episode, we talked about how the SEC was cracking down on crypto exchanges. Specifically, we talked about staking as a service. And, you know, listeners out there, you, you may recall that as a result, Kraken agreed to discontinue their staking as a service program, and they paid a $30 million fine related to it. In a later episode, we discussed how the SEC was going after Coinbase, which is the number two crypto exchange, and how the company planned to fight the SEC in court. And on April 27th, Binance.us, the U.S. arm of the largest crypto exchange, pulled out of a $1 billion deal to acquire Voyager, citing the hostile and uncertain regulatory climate in the U.S., claiming the country has introduced an unpredictable operating environment impacting the entire business community. <laughs> Those are strong words. Yeah, someone is full of themselves. I mean, not you, uh, Binance. Uh, but frying pan, I'd like you to meet fire. I have breaking news. Oh, what's up? Annual accounting updates are a necessity for accountants and auditors. But that doesn't mean they have to be mind-numbingly boring. Kick off the new year with our essential IFRS or U.S. GAAP update course. Looking for something more tailored to your industry? Did you know we also have industry updates for both IFRS and U.S. GAAP on The Revolution, our online learning platform? You can check out all our e-learning courses available at revolution.gapdynamics.com. That's GAAP with two A's. And while you're there, use the code PODCAST2023. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-2023 for 15% off your entire purchase. And get ready to change the way you train. Well, hot off the presses, today Reuters is reporting the following, and I quote, The world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, co-mingled customer funds with company revenue in 2020 and 2021 in breach of U.S. financial rules that require customer money to be kept separate, three sources familiar with the matter told Reuters. One of the sources said that the sums ran into the billions of dollars. Holy crap, this is going to be another Sam Bankman-Fried. It sure looks that way. All right, so shifting gears here, what about the buy now, pay later market? We talked about that pretty early on. Yeah, we did. And you said you liked that episode. I did too, because I really didn't know about it. I mean, I had, yeah. when I bought stuff online, I saw Klarna, but I had no idea what it was. And so it it made us, you and I, kind of research it and figure it out. 
Uh, and in a subsequent uh, podcast, we did inform listeners that Apple introduced their Buy Now, Pay Later product called Apple Pay Later. Yes, and how we thought it was going to get tough for the other market leaders, Affirm, Afterpay, and Klarna. Yeah, and so I kind of went back and I looked. Well, the only public company, if you remember, was this Affirm, and their stock price on January 1 was $15, and their stock price today is $15. Uh, So it didn't look like it had, you know, there was not that much movement. But during that period, the five and a half months or whatever, it did reach a high of $25 kind of in February. So I guess that stock did take a pretty big hit on the Apple announcement. Uh, also, in, in the last couple of days, it had been an, it's been announced that both Australia and the UK are cracking down on buy now, pay later with plans to regulate them. And don't forget about our episode on Credit Suisse. We, I just read in the paper yesterday that a derivatives committee ruled that a bankruptcy credit event had not occurred in relation to their, to, in relation to Credit Suisse, squashing investors' efforts to trigger a payout on credit insurance that they had. Yeah. So some people, I guess, had credit derivatives, credit default right. swaps on Credit Suisse, and they were wanting to get paid out because the company's no more, right? US, UBS bought them, took them over. Uh, right. But you know what? It sort of sucks for them because they had had credit default swaps, and obviously they're not going to get paid out uh, on those credit default swaps. So because you said it's not a bankruptcy credit event. Uh, also, I read yesterday that senior Credit Suisse staff plan to sue the Swiss Financial Market Supervisory Authority, or FINMA, over its decision to cancel more than $400 million worth of bonuses following the bank's rescue by UBS. Chris, what do you think the odds are that the fat cats of the bank will see these bonuses? Well, considering they were manning the helm at the collapse, I'd say slim to none. Uh, Just be mindful of time here. Should we get on to that inspection report you mentioned at the beginning? Sure. So back in February uh, 22nd, in episode seven, and that title of that podcast was Insights from the 2021 PCOB Inspection Reports, we talked about this accounting firm that was leading all accounting firms with new clients. You know, so they were the biggest one. And it was right. quarter after quarter, it would be highlighting them as, as picking up the most clients. It had grown so much that we noted that it was scheduled to be an annually inspected filer during the 2022 inspection cycle. However, back then we raised some concerns. You and I both did. Clark, roll the tape. According to the PCOB website, for the 2022 inspection cycle, uh, they're adding two more, uh, Baker Tilly Virchow Kraus and uh, those two are going to join the party next year. All right. Now, very familiar with Baker Tilly Virchow Kraus, um, and they've been kind of getting larger over the years, um, but uh, I've never heard of them. Well, neither have I, so I did a little research. Okay. PC is based in Lakewood, Colorado, and is registered as a PCOB listed firm. And this is from their website. Currently performs 10K audits and 10Q quarterly reviews according to PCOB standards for over 80 publicly traded companies around the world. These companies range from startup and development stage to successful mid-market companies. And check out this headline, Chris, from March 25th, 2022. It was an Accounting Today article. Dominates 2021 SEC client rankings. Reading that article, it states that firm added 39 new SEC clients during 2021, more than any other firm. 
we really aren't familiar with them. They're kind of a, a, a newcomer, but I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, this growth, uh, you know, how big are they at this point? Well, you know, we use a, um, uh, there's a, there's a company out there inside public accounting mm-hmm. and inside public accounting, um, they list an annual list of like the top firms, largest firms in the United States. They used to do like the top 100, top 200. Now they're up to the top 500. But what's interesting is this doesn't even show up in the top 500 largest U.S.-based accounting firms. All right. Now that's strange because if you look at that list of top 500, when you get to the, you know, towards the you know upper 400s, these are pretty small firms at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So I find it kind of strange that this this entity is auditing 80 plus issuers. These are SEC registrants and they're not even in the top 500. So, I mean, what else did you find out about them? Well, I looked them up on their link on LinkedIn and their LinkedIn company page lists the company size at two to 10 employees. You mean our company Gap Dynamics, which I find pretty small, <laughs> yeah. is actually larger than a firm that audits over 100 issuers. Yeah. And the firm's website shows only one managing partner and one audit director. That's it. Oh, and here's an interesting tidbit. The audit director must be fairly new because the old one has been barred by the PCAOB for being from being associated with a registered public accounting firm. Wait, what? Yeah, here, here's the headline from the PCAOB press release dated May 24th, 2022. PCAOB sanctions former audit director for violating PCAOB rules and standards in four audits of three public companies. Oh, boy. So what's your prediction then for the results of their 2022 PCAOB inspection report, considering the new audit director came in, you know, about midway through 2022? And they're, and they're, and they're auditing 100 clients with only two people? Uh, I don't know, Chris. What did Clubber Lang predict in Rocky Three? Pain. <laughs> yeah. I would like to be a fly on the wall during that inspection. But the 2022 inspections haven't happened yet. You are correct. But the firm did receive a 2021 inspection report from the PCAOB. I guess it was their last one as a triennially inspected firm. The report was dated December 22nd, 2022, but I think it was actually made public during the first quarter of 2023. All right. So how'd they do? Well, the PCAOB reviewed 10 audits. Want to guess how many of those audits had Part 1A deficiencies? Well, in the previous podcast, I said it wasn't going to be pretty. So I'm going to go with all 10. Yep. All 10. That's a 100% audit deficiency rate if you're playing along at home. Now, of those 10 audits with deficiencies, want to take a guess on how many of those had multiple deficiencies? Please don't say all 10. All 10. But no wonder. The report showed they had 168 total issuer audit clients in 2021, and a total of four engagement partners on issuer audit work. Now, wait a minute. I thought when we did that episode, you know, some time ago that we, that they only had two audit partners. They, they do on their website. Interesting. The PCOB inspection report said four and they had a footnote by it. And here's what the footnote says. The number of engagement partners on issuer audit work represents the total number of firm personnel not necessarily limited to personnel with an ownership interest who had primary responsibility for an issuer audit as defined in AS-1201 supervision of the audit engagement during the 12-month period preceding the outset of the inspection. 
So they had non-partners acting in a partner capacity. That's correct. Still, with with four partners and assuming this 168 uh, issuer clients, that's 42 issuer clients per partner. That that seems like a lot. Yeah, you think? Uh, but to be fair, none of the 168 issuer audit clients are integrated audits of financial statements and internal controls over financial reporting. Okay, so they had no large accelerated filers. Yeah, right. Nothing, no, no ICA for audits. But it still seems like a fairly heavy workload. Anyway, check out some of these inspection findings. And I'm quoting now from the inspection report. The first one. The firm did not perform substantive procedures to test revenue beyond comparing it to prior year revenue and comparing certain revenue to the issuer's information system. In addition, the firm did not perform any substantive procedures to evaluate whether the issuer's revenue recognition policies were in accordance with GAAP. Finding number two, the firm did not perform substantive procedures to test certain receivables beyond comparing the balance to the subledger. Finding number three, the firm did not perform any substantive procedures to test certain liabilities. Finding number four, the firm did not evaluate whether the issuer properly identified its related parties in relationships and transactions with related parties. Further, the firm did not evaluate whether the related party transactions were properly accounted for and disclosed in the financial statements. Those are not good. And it gets better. Those were just for one of the 10 issuers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I remember back in the day, I was talking to Bob about this. I remember back in the day, sitting in the audit room as a young, dumb 20-something and wondering, huh, couldn't a firm just charge the audit fee and not do any work and hope nobody finds out? Of course, that was before the PCOB. Well, I think this firm must have stolen your business plan. Um, what was the firm's response? They usually have a letter to the PCOB in the back of the inspection report, basically, you know, responding to the PCOB's findings. Yeah. So I looked at the last page of the inspection report and it, it included this note. Pursuant to Section 104F of the Act, 15 USC, whatever, whatever, and PCOB Rule 4007A, the board provided the firm an opportunity to review and comment on the draft of this report. The firm did not provide a written response. Uh, I guess there's not really much else to say. Nope, nope. And I think with that, Chris, why don't you take us out of season one? All right, that's all for this episode of Gap Chats, your source for all things accounting. Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the description. And as always, you can find us online at gapdynamics.com and at GapDynamics across social media. It's never too late to become a Gapologist. Head over to our website and subscribe to our blog so that you are the first to know what's new with GapDynamics. Dynamics. <laughs>